So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, and um, please stand for the reading of God's Word. As always, Brian's on point. Beat you to it. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you, Lord, so much for this day. This is the sunshine coming through the windows, the rain from last night to water your creation, and, and we get to be in your house today or, or watch this and listen to the service online. So thank you, Lord, for the opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for every person here and, and, uh, and what they bring and how they serve you. And Today we're going to open your word, and we pray that all of our hearts be open to realize that everything that we have is not ours. Everything that we have is yours. And we're called to be good stewards of it. And that's what today's message is all about. So pray that your words come forth and shine forth in this message today. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. So Brian, Renee, everything's still good? Are we good? All right, great. As long as we don't have any other power outages like we did a couple weeks ago, we'll be good. Thankfully we recovered from that one. So... All right. Well, today's uh, sermon is called Cheerful Generosity. Now, I'll put those two words together because it's supposed to be that way. All right. It's supposed to be that way. We're going to talk a little bit today about generosity in this passage and, and kind of where it comes from. But I first want to begin with, does anyone remember the passage from last week? It started in Romans chapter 15, 13. Right? And we said, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. In believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So I hope that you've had a very spirit-filled week. I hope that you spent time with God each and every day. I hope that you have enjoyed joy and peace. Not doom and gloom. Remember this guy? We picked on this guy last week. Remember Brian? Put up here. Remember we picked on this guy? You remember? Who did we pick on last week? Remember we picked on Eeyore last week? You know, doom and gloom. We talked about there's going to be some bad times, right? But as Christians, we have to make sure that we keep our hope in Christ, right? And to fill our lives with the joy and peace, because that's the promise that we talked about. So today we're going to, the title, like I said, is Cheerful Generosity. So this last week, uh, we completed our financial peace class. So um, several of us were in that, uh, Sean and Sherry. Uh, Will and Mary, Renee and I, and um, BG and Mary, and then uh, Renee's friends, Nick and Suzanne, and uh, then uh, one of my coworkers, Erica. And so we finished uh, nine weeks of studying how to be great stewards with our financial gifts. And that last, this last week, we talked about outrageous generosity was actually the name. So I'm going to share a few statistics in a little bit that will probably blow your mind away. It'll be a little bit of a review for a few folks. But really just how this combined with outrageous generosity, this passage of cheerful um, giving come up. Now I'm going to use generosity and giving 
kind of interchangeably here because I, I noticed in my notes this morning that I had it a different word in different places. And instead of trying to fix all of those, just kind of put that disclaimer um, out there. So, um, but first I want to uh, talk about and remind folks or, or see if anybody's ever had the uh, sandbox experience. All right. Or it might be a living room experience. Everyone ever seen? Um, oh, Daniel, can I have one of your matchbox cars, please? Anyone? Any one of your cars there? Thanks, sir. Has anyone ever had a, a car or a toy that's set in a sandbox or set in the middle of the living room? As a mom or a dad, you might have stepped on one or two of these. Right? But it's set there. Right? And everybody goes about their day. Right? Kids are playing, right? doing everything. And then you come back a little bit later, you see this toy is still just sitting there in the middle of the room. Right? But then what happens when one child picks this toy up? And then the other child says, what? That's not your toy, that's mine. Nobody's played with this toy for hours or days sometimes. Right? But that toy is mine. Maybe it's a doll that almost gets ripped in half, right? Because it's mine, it's mine, it's mine. Are there any parents in here that taught their kids at a young age to say, it's mine, it's mine? Or did it just come out? Not a lot of us. Yeah, not, yeah, yeah, we talked about sharing and giving, but what? Mine, mine. We want to hold on to it. So as we talk about cheerful generosity today, I want you to look at it not just in monetary terms. I want you to make sure that everything that we say today, you're looking at it in three different areas. And that is monetarily, that is time, and that is talents. So when we talk about giving today, we're going to talk about monetary, we're going to talk about your talents, and we're going to talk about the giving of your time. So make sure that you are thinking about all three of those areas as we go through the sermon today. All right. So the first one um, from this passage, and we're going to jump around just a little bit in this short passage, but a couple of takeaways, and there's, there's four takeaways in your bulletin if you, if you like to fill in the blanks. Um, so the first one is, is cheerful giving um, is all about love, not legalism. Love, not legalism. All right, so, you know, you can't, we've heard this phrase a lot, you cannot earn your way to heaven. And so that's the disclaimer today is the more you give, the more you give, the more you give, your money, times, and talents doesn't earn you a spot in heaven. Christianity is not country club membership. It's not. And that's actually, a, there's a whole other study uh, that we could go into about a country club membership. Because that's not what it is. It's about each person deciding in their heart to truly love and truly give. And not to give under reluctancy or under compulsion all right so that we're in chapter in, in our main passage chapter 9 verse 7 it says each one must give as he has decided where decided in his heart not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver so reluctancy anybody got a dog I got a dog a lot of people got a dog got a dog had a dog got a new dog all right so our dog is, are you ever, have you ever heard the expression fair-weather fans? Fair-weather fans where you're only a fan of a certain team if they're doing well. You don't, really, you don't admit to owning up to them if you don't. Well, we have a literally, literally fair-weather dog. We have a fair-weather dog. 
That dog is not going outside if it's below 50 degrees, right? And not if it's raining. It is like we have to kick the dog outside for either way of those, those two situations, right? We, that dog is what? Is reluctant to go outside. You know, and we have situations in our lives where we're reluctant to do things. You know, I talked about Financial uh, Peace University. And last week I shared we have this fox, and we're still feeding this fox two eggs a night so that it'll come around and it makes a trip at 11 and it makes a trip at 2. So we're still tracking this fox. Um, I was reluctant. And Renee gives me this look every time that we talk about. I wonder when this fox comes around. We were at, was it Cabela's? I think Cabela's last week. And um, we got a new game cam so that we could see which way the fox is coming into the yard. And uh, she goes, oh, look at this. Look at this little USB stick. It's like a wireless USB stick that you can plug it in and it'll send your phone the picture. I'm like, well, that's great technology, but it's $25.99. It's not in the budget. We can't get that. Okay. And uh, I was reluctant to spend that $25. And you talk about, boy, I wish I had spent that $25 now. Right. But we're, we're reluctant. Right. We're reluctant to do things um, in our lives. And this is talk about reluctancy for giving here of our time, our money and our talents. So turn with me now to Matthew 23, 23. Turn with me to Matthew 23, 23. All right, so Matthew 23, 23. It says this, and this is Jesus speaking. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and, not, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. Justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So, as I said, you know, one of the first takeaways is that cheerful giving is about love, not legalism. This is the example of legalism that we have in the, in the passage here with the scribes and the Pharisees especially. They were getting down to the letter of the law so much that they split up everything. Think about, anybody got a spice rack? Spice rack in their kitchen, right? Most of us have a spice rack in our kitchen. All right, imagine going through every one of your spices. Most of them are a little turn, turnstile, right? Imagine going through every one of your spices and dumping out 10% of this one, 10% of this one, 10% of this one, and 10% of this one. That's almost what we're, he's talking about here, is that they split everything in the 10th and, and gave the 10th as their offering. But Jesus rebukes them for what? It's all about checking a box. It's not about their heart and what they want to give. So here's another illustration of, of flowers. And I was going to ask Renee to come down this morning, but she's filling in for Brother Randy's not here. So um, Morgan's about the same height. So Morgan, you come on up. We've been talking about that lately. Kids get taller. We get shorter. I'm not sure which way it happens. So maybe a little bit of both. So you can stand, stand right there. And uh, I'm going to, I was going to steal a flower, but all right, so I've got this bouquet of flowers in my hand, all right? So imagine I got this bouquet of flowers, right? Let's even say it's Valentine's Day. Let's, let's go back a little bit. Let's say it's Valentine's Day. And I have this bouquet of flowers and I say, oh, honey, I know it's Valentine's Day and I got you these pretty flowers. Thank you. Well, it was my duty. 
I knew I needed and I had to get you flowers today. So I hope you enjoy them. Okay? Now, if your significant other told you that they had to buy the flowers out of what? It was their duty to buy them versus come back. Thank you. Here you go, honey. I love you. I couldn't think of anything more beautiful to give to you today than these flowers. I love you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right. But now her cheeks are redder than her shirt. Um, but when you say that you have to do something out of duty versus out of love, right? And that's the first key point here um, for today. We also um, want to share this quote with you. So we, we just went through Financial Peace University, Dave Ramsey. Another one is Crown Financial. And I looked through a lot of their material as well. And I really like this short quote. In God's economy, the attitude is more important than the amount. In God's economy, the attitude is more important than the amount. Right? We have to make sure we don't give as a duty or a formality, but we actually should give out of overflow of the love of God that we have. We can't be grudge givers. I found this phrase this week. There's three types of givers. So I want you to think about which type of giver you are. Money, times, and talents. All right? Which giver are you? The grudge giver. I have to give to the IRS. Grudge giver. I have to. Begrudgingly. You have a duty giver. Kind of just gave an example there. Well, I don't want to give, but I ought to give. All right? And I think some of us actually even fall into this category as Christians, as duty givers. Versus the third one is thanksgiving. So how do you give of your time and talents and money? Grudgingly, out of duty, or thanksgiving? Right? Out of thanksgiving. So God loves a cheerful giver. Says it right in our text today. But Kevin, I don't want to give. How can I be cheerful about giving? I don't have anything to give. You just get beat down by everything. But as a believer, you shouldn't have to think too hard or too long about the characters and attributes of God that we've been talking about. Mercy, grace, hope, love. We've been studying those. The promises. Jeannie saying this morning about reaching out. The girls saying about God's love. We have all those characters, all those attributes that we learn from God's scripture, but also living as a Christian in our lives. But then also God gave his son Jesus as the ultimate sacrifice for us, which takes us directly to takeaway number two. Cheerful giving should be sacrificial and generous. Sacrificial and generous. Turn with me to Mark chapter 12, 41 through 44. Mark chapter 12, 41 through 44. Okay. When you got it, or you're looking at Brian's screen, say amen. Okay, that's unanimous consent. We can go. Matthew 12, 
41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box, he being Jesus. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to him, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they are all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. She gave because she believed and she knew that God would provide for her. The greater our faith that God will provide for our needs, the greater will be our willingness to give him to him. Right? The greater that we believe in God, the greater that we are more willing to give to him. And the less that we trust in God, the less we are willing to give him. So your giving of your time, money, and talents is a tangible sign of how much you believe God will fulfill your needs. You might have heard this before. If you want to know the value system of a person, look at their checkbook. Or maybe even pull up the the app. If you pulled up our app, our our YNAB app, you might say we have some problem with this place called Taco Bell. Because it's like every week. We get a Taco Bell, but hey, you can feed the whole family for like 20 bucks, right? Tacos, right? That's the one you see often, right? But if you've never done that exercise, I, I challenge you to do that, to see where your money is going, right? So make sure that you give time, money, and talents to the ministries that you're passionate about for sure. I shared... Um, Last week, I think, where the kids found some charities that they personally like, whether reading or fishing or, or quilting or, or whatever that might be. But for a lot, lot of us, we should, uh, one heard, one, excuse me, heard one example to where a lot of people say, I just don't have time to give. Or there's no money left at the end of the month to give, right? You, you pay these bills, what you have to do. But then the problem with that is that those folks actually need to do what to their budget? They actually need to take their budget and they need to... Turn it upside down to where giving is not the last thing that we do, but giving is the first thing that we do. And God will provide the rest. Giving sacrificially isn't sacrificial unless you sacrifice to give. I wish I could have wrote that, but I didn't. Giving sacrificially isn't sacrificial unless you sacrifice to give. In fact, I'm going to speak monetarily here for a second on on some stats, but... Um, polls show that the more money Americans make, the less percentage they actually give. They might get a pay increase or might take another job, but their giving actually stays the same. One poll shows that the average American Christian gives 2.5%. 2.5%. The Old Testament suggests 10% of, of the first, first crops, and I'm not here to talk about a number today at all. Because the main takeaway from this message today about giving of your time, talents, and money is what's in your heart. Not what is in or not in your wallet. But here, one quote from Crown Financial, it says, 10% is not a ceiling to stop at, but a floor to grow from. I like that. There's no set amount that you can just check a box. It's where can you give and give and give because none of it is really ours like I said in the opening prayer and that is a key point have you ever thought about it that way 
My dad always cracks me up because he talks about his birthday suit. He had it on when he came in. He's going to have it on when he leaves. He came in with nothing. He's leaving with nothing. But we always want to talk about what? Go back to that sandbox and everything is what? Mine, mine, mine. But it's actually a gift from God. Everything that we have is a gift from God. When you give sacrificially of your time, talents, or money, whether occasionally or religiously or consistently, you'll never forget it. You'll never forget it and you'll never regret it. Think about if you've had kids that graduated. We had kids that graduated before? I have not yet. Kids are standing there at that graduation ceremony, right? Most parents are, most of them are thankful, right? Thankfully, they, they reach this milestone. But when you see someone walk across the stage or, um, you know, e- even this morning, you're playing the piano or kids singing, right? There's pride when they accomplish that as a parent. And um, Dave Thomas walked in, your, your eyes might start to leak a little bit. All right, don't cry. Men don't cry. Their, their eyes leak a little bit. Um, but, you know, start to. And uh, you think about all the nights you spent with those kids, those 2 a.m. nights when your oldest son just wouldn't be quiet and your shoulder blades are burning so bad in the back. And you know that they get quiet. And then you lay him down, and you're like, oh, I can't do it, I don't know how to do it. And you know the floor where you're walking is two inches lower because you've walked 800 miles since 12 o'clock, right? Or we did, you know, we talked about the budget, we did cloth diapers. Hey, somebody's got to clean those things. Renee took 99% of that, I almost took 2% credit, but, you know, 99%, right? All those dirty diapers, you know? All the sacrifice, hey, I'd really like to go to the lake today, but hey, I'm going to go to this game instead, or I'm going to take them to this lesson, whatever that might be. All that sacrifice of your time and talents that you invested into your children, most parents will always say, it was worth it. It was worth it. They'll never regret it. Giving sacrificially. Third point, cheerful giving is the appropriate response to real needs. Cheerful giving is the appropriate response to real needs. Would everyone agree there's needs in the community? Here and at large, right? There's needs, right? Turkey dinner, let's plan for 25 and the Lord sends 60. There's needs, right? There's real needs out there. So let's turn to the book of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 43 and 45. Acts chapter 2, verse 43. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles, through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. As I was studying and looking at this passage this week, it didn't really realize to me what was happening in this section right here. This is shortly after Pentecost to where people had come from all over the kingdom. 
of, of the Roman Empire. They had come for the festival, the Pentecost festival. Right? And what happened? The Holy Spirit showed up. So instead of going back to their original homes, they were filled with the Spirit. And they said, I'm going to stay at this party for a little longer. It's more than a party. It was a life change. Right? I'm going to stay a little longer. But what happens if we go on a trip, we think, all right, I got you know, three, three changes of clothes, I got this, you know, I'm taking exactly what I need. And we have the um, different ways of traveling than they did then. So for them to say, hey, I'm going to stay an extra week or two weeks, or I don't know how long I'm going to stay here, they were running out of money, provisions. And so the disciples right here, those first disciples, they put everything they had in a hat to make sure everyone was taken care of. Everyone was taken care of. They provided for each other. Just a few pages further, Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. That's just the whole message right there. Could you imagine what we could do if we were all one heart and one soul? And no one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each one had a need. Last week I shared with you that I had this thought, and I told you so you could help hold me accountable, is that we go to the rescue mission. Uh, second Tuesday of every month we go to the rescue men, men's rescue mission in Martinsburg, um, lead their service and, and fellowship with those guys a little bit. And uh, I like to connect, right? I want to connect my, my desire and my passion for fishing and the love I have for those guys there together. So Monday I went to the rescue mission. I spoke with Patrick there. And I shared this idea that, that I have and I want to do. I want to take these guys fishing and, and let's have a meal together and share with them. And it's not just taking them fishing. It's I need other people to join them one-on-one and, and share their stories and talk with them. And, and they have a voice. And, and Patrick said that that was a wonderful idea. He says he needs people and he wants people, especially church people, to help mentor these guys in the rescue mission. You know, a lot of times they just want someone to listen, to hang out with, right? So there are real needs out there in our community. So I've still got a few details to work out, but that's coming shortly. Acts eleven twenty seven. Acts eleven twenty seven verses 27 through 30. It's not just local needs. Acts eleven twenty seven says, Now in these days prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch, and one of them named Abigus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be great famine over all the world, for this took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, everyone according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it by the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So what we have here, did you catch what happened? It's like when I read a passage like this, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. And you think, oh, yeah, I've read the Bible before. 
But then you get into these stories, and it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. Well, all this was was this was an offering for um, fellow brothers and sisters, actually about 300 miles away from where they were at, and they took up this offering and they sent it to him to care for other believers. Do you notice what book of the Bible we read out of the last three verses? What were they out of? Book of what? Acts? It's not a trick question. Book of Acts, right? The book of Acts and the book of Acts. Because they were Acts of the early apostles in the church. Aren't you thankful there's not a book of the Bible called Sitting? Right? Some of us might be well versed in that. But I thought it was interesting how Acts, Acts, Acts. What Acts are we working on? What talents and time are we giving? What if we all started giving to meet everyone's needs? What if? This what if hit me really hard this past week in the studies. Dave Ramsey says, what happens if we the people start taking care of we the people? What happens? In America, Americans give away $286 billion to charity a year. So I'm going to bore you with some statistics here for just a second, but bear with me because your eyebrows will probably raise up. So Americans gave $286 billion to charity, which is a 4% average household income of about $2,500 a year is what people give away per year. Everybody familiar with St. Jude's Hospital, right? Totally free service. They have an annual budget of $1 billion. So if everyone in the United States were to give one-third more, we could build another 100 St. Jude's Hospitals. So if the average person gave 2,500 and bumped it up to 3,400, if it all went to that specialized giving. Foster care, there's around 108,000 kids in the foster care system in this country that are eligible for placement with a forever home. The average price is somewhere between zero and $2,500 to place that child with that. If, we just, if everyone in the country gave 1% more to that cause, every child in the foster home system eligibly placed would be placed with a forever home. Let's talk about hunger. It's estimated that there's 42 million people in this country alone that struggle with food insecurity, not knowing where their next meal is going to come from. 13 million of those are children. If we were able to dedicate directly to that, $25 billion, which does it, which sounds like a lot, right? right? But remember, how much did we give away last year? $286 billion. If we dedicated $25 billion to that, it would eradicate domestic hunger in our country. With just a few more percentage points, do you see what the cause, everyone contributing to the greater good, i.e. service of God, what impact we could have? 
you see it in our churches, right? Even with the small sizes of churches, if, if the average church size is only around 70 uh, in the country, but you, know, you think, well, how can, this meet, how can this small church meet this need? How can this small church meet this need? How can this small church meet this need? And it's when you come together as body of believers that we're able to do something great under God's guidance and provision. So I gave you a lot of numbers. 25 billion would eradicate hunger, right? 1% would take care of all the foster kids and place them in a forever home. You know, last year, Americans spent $41 billion on Christmas decorations. Did you hear that? $41 billion on Christmas decorations. We spent $70 billion on our pets. I'm not saying don't have a dog. I'm not saying don't have a cat. Take care of them. Enjoy them, for sure. Again, it's not a number issue. I'm talking about a heart issue here. But God designed us. God designed us to be givers, not consumers. There's this, there's this cycle that we have of where there is a... Share this, make sure I get the right thing. There is a... There is a, we give, the need is met, sorry, the need is met, right, and then supply increases. It's amazing how that cycle works. We give, we meet a need, and supply increases. Our scripture says, back to our main scripture, it says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that by having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Who is able to make grace abound? Is Mary able to make grace abound? Is Dick able to make grace abound? Is Debbie able to make grace abound? Is Will able to make grace abound? The answer to that is no. God is the one that makes all grace abound. When we give in our heart and we meet the needs of others, God increases our resources. So cheerful giving is the appropriate response to real needs. So what needs do you see around you? All right, and the fourth one. Cheerful giving results in bountiful blessings. Our passage says, whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Remember the concept of bounding last week? I kind of jumped across the stage a little bit. And then Sally asked me to do it again, and then I was like winded when I got back up here. <laughs> I shake, I shake. But bounding, right? It's so exercise where we practice, right? To get started a little quicker. We have to get started by giving. Let's look at Luke 6, 38. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 38. This is actually in the passage right after judging others in, in verse 37. I'll start at 37. 
It says, Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. Now, the word of caution here, right, is I'm not talking about a prosperity gospel here at all, okay? But I want to look back very closely at chapter, or verse 8, back in our main passage, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. It says, I've just read it, God is able to give, is able to make all grace abound to you, so that by having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Every good work that we seek to do, or we seek to give, God allows us to meet it. In some way, He allows us to meet it by giving us the resources that we need. It's not resources for personal gain. It's resources for God's glory. God's glory. Don Whitney said this. He said, God never says that if you give faithfully, He will give you a lot of money or some other specific earthly blessing." But he does say that he will bless you in this life if you love and trust him enough to be generous in your giving to him. So I mentioned, I mentioned, I talked Monday with Patrick at the men's rescue mission. Well, it took me a day or two, and I was able to talk with Karen at Zets about what I wanted to do. And she says, that sounds great. All I need is about three weeks' notice. So now we just got to figure out how to get 20 or 30 guys from one place to this place. And that's this week's challenge. Right? And then we're going to line up some other details. I was admittedly scared, doubtful of what Karen would say. And that was where I kind of learned this week. This was where I grow. You know, as we prepare messages, we study scripture, everyone grows. This is where I grew this week. But this was an example of where God met the need. He's still relying on me to connect a few dots, right? But I know that he'll connect him for that. But I know, I have this vision. Who's been to Zets? Several people have been to Zets. Zets is just down the corner. And it's like ten ponds that are just side by side by side because they're a fish hatchery. I have this picture in my head of just 60 or 70 people partnered up all around this place. All around this place. And I'm trusting God that he will make that happen. I feel like we've been talking about our testimony and preparing And what an opportunity to share and relate and connect to people. Not of giving of just money, but giving of time. Even giving of talents, if you like fishing. Or just sitting and listening, if listening is a talent. 1 Corinthians 13.3 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give away all that I have, And if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. I don't want to sit around with these guys at the rescue mission just because I want to do it. There's a love for them in my heart that 
I don't know where it came from. When I sit and think about it, I don't know where it came from. But when you study about it and you reflect on it, you know exactly where it came from. God put it in my heart. And that's the one thing in my heart. And that's one of the things that Huff has preached here and said here multiple times is that, look, you might have a great idea. Great, do it. Right? Don't sign this person up to do it. Don't sign this person up to do it. If God put it in your heart, then do it. I'm sharing today my passion, my fishing service, whatever you want to call it. But what's yours? What's yours? What need can you meet with talents that you have? If, you're, if you have a talent and you're missing money, guess what? God will fill it. But if you're not strong enough and believe that he will fill it and you never ask about it, it'll never happen. If you just keep it to yourself. So whatever you see, whatever need that you see, go meet it and share it. That's actually why I shared it last week. because I knew that I thought about it for a little bit. But I was just going to tell 40 of my closest family and friends. That way they would ask me about it. And no one said anything to me about it. But I knew somebody would. So I made some calls this week. So think about what needs that you can help meet with the passions and talents that you have. So whether that talent is fishing or, or coaching, I like doing that, or quilting or running, whatever your talent may be, think about how you can meet the need. Very, very cool story this week about giving. So Brian, if you could put that next picture up. Um, Renee sent me this story, and it, it, uh, my eyes almost started leaking. Um, but uh, it's a story about Nathan Edge. All right, so Nathan Edge is a blind father-to-be with his first son. He's a blind father-to-be. And his wife, Emma, went in for the ultrasound, 12-week ultrasound, and she got what? She got the printout of the pictures, right, of the ultrasound. And then she realized that her husband would not be able to see them. So one of her friends, her name was um, Karen, excuse me, Deb Fisher. Deb Fisher took those ultrasounds and she put in 40 hours of her time and she embroidered a picture of the ultrasound so that Nathan, that father-to-be, could feel what their child looked like. That is sweet, folks. That is incredible, folks. What an example of using your time to serve and meet a need. Incredible. And actually, just reading the article, she had never done embroidery before. So if you don't have a certain talent, don't say God can't do it. Don't say it. It's more like just hold on. <laughs> Hold on. But that was just such an awesome, awesome story. Acts 20, 35 says, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. How true that is. I understand why my grandma always said, 
Granny, what do you want for Christmas? I don't, don't matter. Don't need nothing. Don't get me anything. I don't need it. But she would always pass out money cards at Christmas. And she always was smiling, that money card. But Granny, what do you want? Don't need anything. Don't need anything. More blessed to give than to receive. So I want to give a, I want to give a slight disclaimer here. Not disclaimer, but kind of pivot just a little bit. We talked about cheerful giving and giving with a cheerful heart and our times, talents, and money. There's three enemies I want to list really quick here. But number one, the world wants God's money. Right? You can't deny that one bit. I actually think, well, you could say COVID, you could say COVID is the devil or whatever, but the reason I say that is because think about how much they route you even more now in stores. Have you noticed that little line we were at? Where were we at the other night? I think we were at uh, Ross's. We were at Ross's at the checkout line. And you know they always get you by the cash register, right? But normally it's like three to ten feet, right, of cash register. But Ross's, you had to like walk, right? And they have stuff just lined up, right? So it's almost like 20 feet, 20 feet of, hey, buy this or buy this or buy this or buy this, right? And don't even think about how much money goes into advertising and stuff. But the world wants God's money. Number two, enemy to cheerful giving is Christians possess the same sinful desires as everyone else. And that's called the flesh. And it goes right back to, it's mine. It's mine. It's mine. So we have to watch out for that enemy of cheerful giving. And the third one is similar to the first, but the devil tempts us to waste our money. He is our enemy and wants to destroy God's works. So Proverbs 22.7 is another quick proverb. It says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Folks, if we don't have cheerful generosity, cheerful giving in our hearts, in, our, in regards to our time, our money, and our talents, we become slaves a full debt is a form of slavery as this passage says we're slave to the lender a full schedule that focuses just on worldly things with no margin or free time like we talked about last week is slavery you're slave to the schedule if you're stuck in a position in life where you make excuses to where you can't use your god-given talents then you are indeed slave to that situation Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. You probably know that passage. I'm going to flip to it here. I kind of added that last second. But Matthew 6, 21 talks about where we store, lay up our treasures in heaven. Do not lay up yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's only one master that I want to serve. Only one. We shouldn't be slave to our money, our schedule, or our situation. 
We should use all three of those, all three of those, to glorify God in all that we do. So as we wrap up, we got two more, two more quick things. The first one, the first one is a math lesson. So we have a formula I want you to do. I want you to take the life expectancy. The life expectancy is the U.S. 78 years old. 78 years old. So take 78. Subtract your age. And then multiply it by 365. 365. Now I realize that some of you might have a negative number. We'll go ahead and work out the problem. 78 minus your age, multiply it by 365. Anybody want to share a number? If you're young, younger, you'll have a number around 20, 20,000. But this number is the days that you statistically, statistically have left to give and to serve. When you do that number, it kind of hits you hard in the face. You might think you have this time and you might not. Are you ready? What even hurt me, and I don't know if I can get through this one or not, but I had a coworker this week. He, he mentioned to me that his mom and dad weren't doing well, and he read an article I don't remember the average number, but the average child sees their parents three to four times a year. You do this situation with how many more times you see your parents, that number gets a lot lower. It gets a lot lower. It starts to get very real. That we can't make excuses anymore to use God's time improperly, use His money improperly, and squander what we've been given and challenged to do. So I want to end with an illustration from, I got from John Piper this past week. It's really good. And we're going to, we're going to end with this. Let's see. Got my heart. Yep. So flip back to our main passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. We're going to sum it up with a small illustration. Okay? All right, so we have, we have our hearts, right? We have our hearts. We talked about how we don't give out of duty. We don't give out of grudge, but we give out of our hearts to others. Right? We see that. And in our passage, right? We don't we don't give reluctantly or on the compulsion we give as a cheerful giver. But how are we able to do that? We're able to do that because where is God? God is up here. And he fills us, right? Then we talk about right there at the end of our passage that God is able to make all grace abound. He is able to do that. And there's this 
sweet spot right here. John Piper called it a junction. He called it a junction. I call it a sweet spot. Right? To where there's a constant outflow that we have of giving to others. Constant. Constant. That's what it should be. A constant outflow of others. And God has a constant inflow into our hearts. And at this point right here, whether you call it the sweet spot, whether you call it the junction, but it is where two things come together that is so central to our Christian faith. And it's His glory. And our joy. It's His glory and our joy. I know that I can only give so much. But I know that I can give so much more when I realize that it's all God's. It's all God's. So I know that I'm talking about cheerful giving and shared some good examples. And I know that it hit you hard at the end with there might be a low number. But the fact of the matter is, today could be the final day. So what opportunities are you not going to waste anymore? And that's the challenge of today, is what opportunities to use your time, money, or talents to glorify Christ and to meet a need that's in front of us. So let's stand. So I just ask you to think about what you've been holding back. Think about a need that you saw and you're like, eh, somebody else will take care of it. When you know that you can meet the need or you could partially meet the need. You know that phrase, you've been there, done that, got the t-shirt? Seen that phrase? I got a t-shirt this week. And... um, Last year, we donated fishing rod and reels to the West Virginia Children's Home Society. I mentioned that, right? So the guy said, hey, I got a couple T-shirts I'm going to send you. And I was like, oh, that's nice. Renee opened it up, got it in the mail. I was like, that's nice. And I was debating on whether or not to wear it today. I was like, hey, I'm not going to wear, wear the shirt today. But I was looking at it this morning. You know, they put all the sponsors on the back and everything. And look way down here at the very bottom. Look, Heritage Free Will Baptist. Look at that. Now, we don't do it for the T-shirt, folks. We don't do it for the T-shirt. We do it for God's glory and all that we do. Now we're going to get new T-shirts. All right? Meeting those needs.